So we're, uh, we're moving now into, into the fact that what we've been redeemed for, what is it about the kingdom of God that, that uh, is our role, our part, and spiritual fullness is absolutely the number one goal of God. Jesus, when, when he breathed on the disciples, he didn't say, now, go and get ready to go to heaven. I believe in heaven. I love heaven. I believe in the rapture. If it happens today, I'm going to be very happy and excited. If it doesn't happen today, I'm going to be very happy and excited. You know why? Because either way, I have a destiny, and I have something to do. Praise God. We, we, uh, we've, we've, got to, we've got to focus on the job God has given us because he said he's coming back after those that are busy doing the work of the kingdom. Amen. Praise God. So I want to be busy doing the work of the kingdom. And uh, so... Hey, if the, if, the, if the first load's going out today, I'm ready. Praise God. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm, e I'm even more ready to see the kingdom of God established, see the glory of God on this earth, and to see people's lives redeemed. I, I, I want to see the glory of God manifest in this earth, people's lives changed. Amen. I'm tired of all the oppression and arguing and debating. You know, I... I Okay, I'm trying to activate my filter. How many know you need a filter? Praise God. I don't have one. A lot of, sometimes I open my mouth and everything is in my brain falls out my mouth. We, we, can, we can spend all of our time on the battles of the natural, or we can get focused on the things of God and succeed in what God's given us to do. Amen. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Don't stay all worked up about so many things. People are, people are just worked up about so many things today. Praise God. You know, all the, all the battles going on in our government, good night, like a, like a kind, bunch of kindergartners, you know, wanting their way, and, and everybody's got their agenda, and, you know, the principal needs to step in and bring some order or something, you know, just... You know, need to need to line a bunch of kids up out in the hall and spank them. <laughs> That's how they did when I was in school. If a if a class if a class got too unruly when I was in school, if a class got too unruly, and the teacher started having trouble with kind of the whole class, the atmosphere and stuff, the principal would show up with a paddle, and the teacher would start calling out names of all the disruptors and the people that that. Uh, wasn't paying attention to stuff, and we had to line up out in the hallway, and they did a mass whipping. I mean, you had to stand in line and 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 wait your turn, but they you's going you's going to get your hind end whooped that day, because they meant business. They meant for you to to pay attention and and stuff. I had a lot of fun with that, but I won't go into it. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't need to tell that story. But God, God has ordained us as a church, and this is what the church as a whole has got to get a hold of. We, we have a purpose. We have been ordained. We have been commissioned. And, and we need to be about the Father's business because the Father's business will change a lot of this stilliness that's going on. When, when, when revival comes, when redemption comes and changes uh, the atmosphere, then everything begins to change. That's what we need to focus on. Spiritually full. How many, how many understand what, what it means to be spiritually full? Yeah, I don't. I have been researching this, and, and there has been this nagging question in my mind for a long time, and I, I have been trying to resolve this because I'm not just a person that can just, just preach something because I've heard it or or uh, just talk about it and, and, you know, just go over it. I have to dissect this thing, and I need to understand how it works. A lot of, a lot of things that I, I know how to do is because I took something apart, and I had to put it back together. So, you know, that's how you learn. That's how I learn anyway. Some people read directions and manuals. Other people take things apart and say, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. And then we have to put it back together. I've been asking the question for a long time, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean? And 
where exactly in our being does that dwell? What part of us gets filled with the Spirit? Do we, is, it, is it our mind? Is it our body? Where, where, does, where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Where, where do these things live and dwell? Matter of fact, if we want to talk about that, where do demons live when, when somebody's possessed by the devil? Where, where, do they, where exactly do they live? I've seen people filled with the Spirit to overflowing where it changed their lives. I've also seen demon, demonized people delivered and cast out, and it is literally like ripping something out of, the, out of the very fiber of somebody's body. It's not an easy thing. It's not this nice little thing. It's literally like, like peeling something out of a person. And, and a lot of times there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes with that. There's a lot of screaming. There's, a, there's all kinds of manifestations and, and stuff. When it have read it in the Bible. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've participated in it. I've, I've, I've been beat up by them. I've rolled in the dirt with them. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've seen this firsthand. I know what it's like. I know what it's about. I've been, I've been hit really hard by them. <laughs> I got hit one time so hard that my, my back of my head touched my back bent my head completely backwards. I mean, it just about broke my neck. I know what it's like to be involved, but where is that? Where does that live? If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, what exactly is that? Is it a feeling? Is it emotion? Is it a vapor that floats through and God shows up and then he's gone? Do we, are we, you know, we have terminology. We have, we have church talk. We have church speak or whatever you want to call it. You know, God showed up in a service, you know. Or, man, the Spirit moved through the, through the church today. You know, we have all these statements, but do we really understand what we're saying? And, and do we understand what God wants in our life? What is it to be filled with the Spirit? And what is it to walk in the full, fullness of the Spirit? Smith Wigglesworth had a statement that he used and he backed it up, that a lot of people of his day really didn't like, and he took a lot of heat over it. And he had this statement. He said, if God doesn't move, I move him. And a lot of people said, oh, you're arrogant and all this kind of stuff. He wasn't trying to be arrogant. What he was saying was, when we don't think God's present, all we have to do is move in what he's put inside of us, and he's present. If God doesn't move, I move him. In other words, Smith Wigglesworth was saying, was saying, I refuse to be a thermometer. I think I'll just choose to be a thermostat. I think, and what Smith was saying was, the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up inside of me from time to time. He lives and dwells in me. He's always present. Now, that's the difference. He's always Boy, I felt the Spirit of God. You know, we, we say those things. Well, sure you felt it. He lives in you. You know, and sometimes we actually feel the manifestation of that or, or we feel some sensation. You know, I love the sensation of God. I love the manifestation. God, not down on those. Love it. I love to feel the presence and power of God. Last time we was in the Philippines, pre every, every time I preached, I mean, every time I preach, the glory of the Lord would just come so strong that the, the, the hair on my body would literally stand out. And I would have goosebumps from the top of my head to the soles of my feet while I was preaching because I felt the presence of God so powerful. But then when I didn't feel that, does that mean he's not there? No. When, when we were just riding in the vehicle and, and we come upon uh, a battle that had just taken place and there was people dead on the road, does that mean the Holy Spirit was gone? No, he was just as powerful there as he was anywhere. Matter of fact, when I'm in a place like that, I'm, I'm usually just talking to God in tongues the whole time when we're traveling, we're doing stuff, because I want to just be constantly in touch with, with the presence of God. You know, just, just know his presence. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I want you to turn with me to the book of John. We're going we're gonna, to, in the next nine weeks, we're going to try to answer that question and not only answer it, but experience what we're talking about. Book of John chapter 2, starting with verse 1. 
On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do to you, do it. Now there were sit there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the, the, the good wine until now. Now, Jesus was given an, uh, demonstrating, this is the first miracle that he, he performed, and it was at a wedding, and there was six pots sitting there when Mary decided it was time to activate Jesus. <laughs> and and he, he was resistant because he said, hey, it's not time. But then he said, she said, whatever he says, and he looked at these six pots. Now, those six pots were there for purification. They were water pots holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. They were, they were big pots holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Now, these water pots had been cleansed according to the law, according to the laws of purification. They had been washed inside and out, and they had been, they had been made ready and pure for use, and they were for cleansing. Now, back then, uh, people didn't have paved roads, concrete sidewalks, and, um, you know, showers and all the things that we have. And so when you went into a wedding feast like this, you were to wash yourself. You washed your hands. You washed your feet. You, you cleansed yourself. You took water out of these water pots, and you cleansed yourself. So the water that was in these water pots had been used for cleansing. And everybody, all the guests that come in, they wash themselves. You know, there are different times that Jesus would enter a house and they would, they would wash his feet. Well, that was customary that day because you got dirty walking in dirt roads. So they would wash their feet and, and uh, they would wash their hands. It was a purification. It was a, it was a sign of cleaning. And these water pots were sitting there, and they'd been using out of these water pots. They were set aside for purification, for cleansing. But Jesus said, go fill them back up. Go fill them back up with water. I mean, that's a lot of water, 20 and 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. And he said, go fill them back up. And when they filled them back up, he said, now take out of it and serve it. And the, we all know the story. The water was turned to wine. And it was immediately transformed. The water was transformed. But I want you to notice something. Those water pots, they, they were specifically used for cleansing. Therefore, nothing but water was supposed to be in them because they were stone, and they would absorb whatever was put in them. They would absorb it into the porous uh, um, makeup of the pot. And so once Jesus turned the water into wine, those stone pots could never again just be used for water. Now they had a specific purpose that was greater than water. Because they had been, they had absorbed the wine into the poor cells of the stone. And so now it was changed on the inside. It was totally changed and transformed. It was, the color was changed. The purpose was changed. They couldn't use those just for purification anymore. They had been chained. When, when we look at baptism, the baptism of the Spirit, I want us just to lay some groundwork here of what baptism is. We talk about bab being baptized in water. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Luke, chapter 3, and verse 16, it says, Luke, John was talking about Jesus, and Jesus answered, saying to all, I indeed, or John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I 
is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, John's saying, I baptize you with water, but there's somebody else coming after me that is going to baptize you, but it's going to be different. It's not going to be like mine. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, there's three types of baptism. There's three, three different words that, that uh, signify baptism. The baptisma, the, the word baptisma, it means it's John's baptism. It means to submerge and emerge. That's baptiz, ba, baptisma, to submerge and emerge. That's what we do when we get saved. We, we are baptized, and it's symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's symbolic of, of giving up our old life and ta- being raised in a new life. And so that's the power of baptism, but that, that's baptisma. And then there's this word called baptismos, which is a ceremonial cleansing, what we've been talking about. And it's the washing in, in Mark chapter 7 and verse 4. Is it talks about the washing when they, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. That, that, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about baptismos. It is the washing of a vessel, the cleansing of it like we wash dishes. But they would, it's, it's the putting into water and washing it, but when it comes out, it is dried. And so it is baptized, but it comes out empty. It's clean, but it's empty. Baptismos. It's clean, but it's empty. I'm going to say that again. It's clean, but it's empty. How many times do people give their life to the Lord, and they are clean, but they're empty? We can't just stop at, say, at wanting to be redeemed so we can go to heaven. We need to be redeemed so we can be filled with something and filled with God. There's more to it than just getting your sins, the burden of your sins relieved. That's awesome. That's the main beginning. That's the gateway. But it's just the gateway. Oh, we've got to get out of the gateway. And we've got to get into the room. We've got to get into the house. We've got to stop hanging around the gateway. And we've got to get in where the table's at. We can sit down and eat at the table of the Lord. Amen. I love the church. It's just hanging around the gateway. We sing songs about the gateway. We, we talk about the gateway, and we, we dream of what it would be like to see the Bible fulfilled. Why? Because we're just hanging around the gateway, hanging around the door. It's not enough just to go through the door. You know, you get on the inside of the door and just stand there. What good is the door? It's not leading anything. You're not experiencing anything good. You're just inside the door. Now, that's great. You can get out of the rain, get out of the storms. But guess what? There's a whole lot more to the house than just the door. Praise God. Baptismal. It's clean, clean, but it's empty. That's the washing of pots. In in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and, and faith toward God. Now, we're talking about baptismos. You know, let's not continue just to go over and over about this baptismos and, and, and the baptism and, you know, are we supposed to be sprinkled? Are we supposed to be dunked? Are we supposed, you know, there, there's all kinds of arguments today about baptism. The church hasn't changed in, in over 2,000 years. We're still arguing about baptism. What name, what, what form, what ritual, what, what this, what that. You know, when, when you just really sell out to God, you don't care what they do. Matter of fact, you don't care if they throw you under the water seven times. You're just glad that God saved you. Amen. 
was helping a young, a young pastor one time. He called me, and he, he was pastor in church, and he, he called me, just first time, first pastor. And he had worked in my church, and he was getting ready to have a baptizing in his church, and he called me, and he said, Pastor, I got, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, I'm getting ready to have the first baptize in our church. He said, I just realized I ne- I've never been baptized. I said, really? You got saved. You went to Bible school, and now you're passing church, and you've never been baptized. He said, no. And he said, I can't baptize these people unless I'm obedient to the same thing. He said, I don't know. Somehow I just missed that. It never happened. I showed up at his baptism, and we baptized him first. It was an awesome experience. I baptized the pastors, and then he baptized everybody else. And he was, he was, he was uh, very, uh, kind of like me when, it, when I first started. I had more zeal than, than wisdom. And this one kid come down to be baptized. He had several people that had been saved. And this one young man come down to be baptized in the water, was in this big pond out in the country. And, and this kid come down to be baptized. And this guy, he, he dumped, baptized him and pulled him back up. And just looked at him. He slammed him down again, pulled him back up. He slammed him down again, pulled him back up. I stand there counting them. I mean, he was just slapping his kid in the water and jerking him out, slapping him in the water, jerking him out. I was going, okay. He did that about seven or eight times. And the last time he did it, the kid come up crying, saying, God, I give you everything. (laughs) I mean, that boy got right. But that's the first time I ever seen anything like that happen. I mean, I've baptized people all over the world in, in, in little ditches where you couldn't hardly get even get enough water. I, I baptized them in, in, in water that was so nasty that it was unreal. Matter of fact, one time, if, I don't know if I just didn't have enough faith or what. I baptized some people in, a, in this cistern-looking thing, and the water was green, and it was awful, and, and it, it was this deep. And I baptized a bunch of people in that thing. And, and after, on the way home, my legs started itching. And I started itching and digging. And my lip from my knees down just turned raw. I got these parasites in my legs from baptizing. And you say, oh, that's not of God. I don't know. People got saved. I mean, they got baptized. I'm just glad I wasn't the one that got my head underwater. I found out something, something else that you can't, a demon, a demon spirit can't make it through baptizing, baptism. They will manifest. When you go to baptism, they will manifest. In Haiti, we learned that the first baptism we had over in Haiti at the, at the new compound, I was there, and we started, there was over a hundred people to be baptized, and, and they, you know, they, they practice voodoo over there, so there's a lot of demonic activity. Pastor John, a missionary, he, he, you know, he didn't really, it hadn't dawned on him. And so we start baptizing these people. And I mean, it got wild. It got wild in a hurry. It's amazing. It's amazing how these, some of these little old Haitian people, I mean, this one little old lady, she was about this tall to me, little old bony thing, and she come down in the water and I baptized her. And, and about the time I went to put her underwater, she, she went into a, a fit and literally picked me up and threw me against the wall, and the fight was on. I mean, water was splashing everywhere. We were down in the water. We were up. We had hold of her. She was throwing us all over the, all over the pool. There was water all over the floor, splashing the water out of the baptistry, and, and it was fun. It was, we, I mean, we were going at it. And we tried to contain this little gal. And she was so strong, it was, it was beyond amazement. Her little old arms, I'd get a hold of her arm, and she would just throw me like this, just like a rag doll, back and forth. And water was splashing, and we were, we were hollering, Gee, come out in Jesus' name, and, and, and everything. And finally, we got her out of the baptistry. 
bunch of other pastors got in there. We drug her out of the baptistry, and they took her out back and prayed for her until she was free, and then we baptized her again at the end. But we had several that day do that. And Pastor John said, told the pastor, said, you're going to have to, you're going to have to uh, disciple these people before uh, they come for baptism. Well, you got to get them ready. And so they didn't have a lot of problems with that afterwards because the pastors realized that they had to take these people through a cleansing process and, and before we tried to baptize them, you know, which, you know, it's exciting. It, Nothing, like, nothing quite like a baptizing like that. When's the, last, when, when's the last time you was at a baptizing when, when, it, when most of the water got splashed out of the baptistry? <laughs> In uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 26, talking about that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. This is the same uh, word as baptismos, the washing and cleansing by the word. Again, in uh, the book of John, chapter 15, verse 3, it says uh, that you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Again, it's the same thing, baptismo. It's the cleansing. It's the, it's the submersion of the word of God in you that cleanses you and cleans you up and, and gets you purified. But purified and full are two different things. And so we're purified. We're ready. But the, the word that John the Baptist used, and, and this is totally, this really helps us understand. When John the Baptist was talking about Jesus, and he said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoe la la latchets or whatever they call straps, I'm not worthy to unloose. In other words, I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off. He is coming and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this word is, is a Greek word that the Greeks used of that day. It's called baptizo. Baptizo. And it's, it, it means, and the Greeks use this in everyday language. And John is using a word that, that they understand because they, they would do this all the time. Baptizo, it, it means to take a garment and dip it in dye, and then pull it back out. When you dip a garment in dye, it goes in one way, it comes out looking totally different. In other words, it's not just a cleansing, it's not just a washing, it's not just a saturation, it's a saturation with something that's going to change you for the rest of your life. It is a transforming process that doesn't just clean you up or fill you up. It's not like being filled up with water. It's like being changed. It's, it's like being saturated, every cell of your being being saturated with something that changes you and transforms you. Another way that this word baptizo was used is like taking a cup and dipping it in another vessel and pulling it out. And when you pull it out, that cup is full of whatever it was dipped into. That's, about, that's what he's talking about. When he said Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, he didn't say baptisma. So, at, at like submersion, immersion. He didn't say baptismos in cleansing and washing, but he said he will baptizo you. In other words, he will dip you into his presence and pull you out. And when he brings you out, you're going to be totally contaminated with who he is. You're going to be changed and saturated. Your very cells are going to be changed. And I, I called my, I called my, uh, my, my. Theological library yesterday, Pastor Jim Finn. I mean, he knows he knows the word, he knows Greek, he has studied this all of his life, and I love to talk to him and pick his brain about stuff. And and we get to talk about the word of God. We get so excited, you know. He 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 just gets a shouting and carrying on. He's he he can't hardly even get out of a chair, but he sure gets excited about the word of God. And we were talking about this yesterday and, and, and the transforming process that takes place. And I said, Jim, where is it? Where does it dwell? When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, what part of us is filled? Is it a place in our mind? Is it a place in our body? What is it 
What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, that is a good question, and it's one I've actually never investigated. And so we begin to investigate the Word, and we begin to talk about it. And when it's all said and done, both of us had determined that the the baptism and the being filled with the Spirit means that every particle of your being has been transformed and filled with the presence of God. It's not just an experience. It's not this little tingle in your body. It is an absolute saturation of the presence of God, and it fills your very being. Every particle. We, I got to talk, we got to talk about quantum physics. And, and I said, the particles, we are made up of particles. You know, when the, your skin is nothing but trillions of particles, not just cells, cells are made up of particles. Everything about you is, is these particles. And yet every particle in your being has what they call a spark. It has a, every little particle has this energy in it. And that's what has caused quantum science to actually come out and say there has to be a creator of some kind because everything else might have been able to evolve, but that energy, that spark cannot evolve. It has to be imparted. It has to be, you have the particles of your being has to be infused with that life, that energy, that spark. And so every particle in your being, whether it's your brain, rather every cell, whenever your, your skin, the reason your skin keeps replenishing itself is because the particles that make up your skin are under the law of God, the creative law of God, and they know that they are to remain and rebuild skin, nothing else, just skin. It doesn't rebuild muscle tissue, doesn't rebuild bone, because bone cells know to rebuild build bone cells every particle has the law written in them matter of fact now they know this has been several years now but they can take a bone out of your body grind it into powder reform it around something and it will rebuild a bone it will become a bone I know that because my my cousin several years ago her son was on the lot riding lawnmower and he was heading for something and she was hollering turn and he wasn't turning and she took off running out there while the grass was wet and she slipped and her foot went under the riding mower and it tore all the bones out of her foot literally ripped all the bones out of the top of her foot and they were talking about amputation. They're going to have to amputate. going to have to take her foot off. She'll have to have a prosthetic foot. But another doctor said, no, I think we can fix this. And he went in the ends of her toes and put these metal rods all the way up to where the bones were and then took another bone out of her leg, ground it up, and then reformed it around these metal wires. And it regrew, the bones regrew in her foot. And today she can walk completely normal has full use of that foot because the cells, the energy, the diet, the, the, the law, the, the direction of God in those cells tells it you have got to replenish and be bone. And so there's life. You can grind a bone to powder, but, but it still has life. That cell, that spark is still in the particles. Every part of your being rebuilds itself because it's under the law of God and those cells and those particles are designed and they have direction to be what they're called to be. Now you can take this same body and plant it in the ground and in a few years it will be grass and it'll be trees and it'll be bushes. The cells don't really die. The particles don't really die. They become life for something else. Is that not amazing? All of a sudden now it's reproducing life in something totally different. It's growing bark and leaves and, 
and, and things like that. Why? Because there is a spark. There is a power. There is a spiritual aspect to our lives that cannot be erased by anything because God spoke it into being. When he breathed into Adam, his spirit, all of a sudden every cell in Adam's body came alive with a presence and a power. Now the Bible says that, that we died, that Adam died. What died? It was his God consciousness that died. But we are still spirit soul and body we're still three-part being we're lost we're undone without God but I got to tell you something when you get born again when you let Jesus save you and change you and clean you up and you let him dip you in the dye of the presence of God all of a sudden that life is back and that connection with God is back you're no longer lost and separated from God now you look like God you act like God you have the DNA in God because you've been baptized baptized in his presence oh hallelujah oh we 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 got into some deep stuff yesterday i mean we 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 started talking about the potential of this thing and and i of course you know i'm i might be a little different but i I love digging into the depths of things, and I love understanding. I, I like quantum physics. I like neuroscience. I like all that stuff. It's how my brain works. I should have been a doctor or something. I don't know, but I love this kind of stuff, and, and, and I dive into it, and I begin to realize what God, how, how the Holy Spirit, and this is, this is later. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just want to help you understand this. The Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God literally has complete control, when you are completely saturated, every particle of your being saturated by the power of the Holy Spirit, you come under a new law. You're no longer under the law of nature. Now you're under the law of the Spirit, and God can actually transform your body and change you, and he can do all kinds of things like make you walk on water. He can cause you to walk through walls. He can cause you to be in one place one minute and in another place another minute why because now you're under the law of the spirit instead of the law of man because your particles are now under the power of God for years we left the body out of redemption and yet every part of us is redeemed spirit soul and body sozo means complete redemption the word salvation, sozo, means complete redemption, every part of you. And somehow, we've not been able to bring the body into the redemption plan. And yet, it is there. It's power. There is a power in us. Some of the most spiritual people I've ever known had a problem translating that to their body. I don't know what the block is. I have the same thing. I, I, I struggle with the same thing. Somehow, we are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. But somehow in the fall of man, when the flesh and the soul came into an unlawful, illegal agreement with each other against the spirit of God, somehow there was a block there, and we have a hard time bringing the physical into the spiritual. Matter of fact, Jesus said the last enemy to, to be conquered would be death. And so there's a battleground there. There's a struggle and a battleground. And yet when you really get to diving into this thing, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the fullness of the Spirit, you begin to realize that everything that is brought into that baptism, everything that is brought into that, that, that saturation of the Spirit of God now is under a different law. See, Peter was under the law of nature. And he said, if it's you, bid me come. Jesus was not under the law of nature. He was under the law of the Spirit. Therefore, the water had to support him. When he decided to walk out on the water, the water had no choice but to hold him up. Because he was a creator. Everything, when he touched the water, it became mass. It became, it, it became uh, matter. It became something that would support the purpose. And so Jesus walked out on the water. He was walking on the water. Peter was under the law of, of nat the nature, of natural law. 
But he said, if it's you, bid me come. And, and Peter got out of the boat. And as long as he stayed focused on Jesus, then he was under the law of Jesus and not the law of nature. But as soon as he got his eyes off of that and got his eyes back on the law of nature, the law, the natural law, he began to sink. Why? Because he no longer was under the power and authority of what Jesus walked under. Now he was under the power and authority of what he was focused on. When he refocused and said, Jesus, save me, Jesus reached out his hand, and immediately Peter came back to the top. Why? Because Peter re-engaged with the purpose, and when he re-engaged with the purpose, all of a sudden nature had to support the purpose. <laughs> Whoa. I got to save some of this. I've been anticipating this because it's, when we understand the fullness of the Spirit, it goes beyond some little experience. You know, people argue all the time, you know, do I have to speak in tongues? Do I have to speak in tongues? Do I have to speak in If I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, do I have to speak in tongues? I don't understand what your problem is. What you're saying is, do I have to give every part of my being to the Holy Spirit? Come on, somebody. That's a big argument. You know, do, do you have to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you have to? I got to tell you something. You get hungry enough for God, you're not going to care. You're not going to care. Now, if you're not hungry enough for God, you're going to be monitoring everything that happens and, and checking to see if it's under your authority. Therefore, you cannot be under the authority of the Spirit of God because you are judging and monitoring everything that God does and making sure it fits your your uh, ideals of what God should do. Oh, come on, somebody. <sighs> you know, we get hungry enough for God, you're not going to ask me questions like that. You're going to say, God, give, here, here I am, everything. Lord God, if you want me to stand on my head for five days, here I am. If you want me to walk on my hands for a week, here I am. You know what I'm talking about? And, of course, the natural part of you just said, uh, that, not, that ain't happening. I ain't doing that. <laughs> Praise God. I ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, there's never been a time in my life, there's never been a time in my life that I said, man, I wish I hadn't been filled with spirit and spoken tongues. <laughs> man, I wish I hadn't have done that. God, why'd you have to do that to me? Never been a time. You know why? Because to me, it's like diving into the, into the warm oil of the presence of God, and it's a place where I can escape this world. I can escape the boundaries of this world. I can talk to God on a personal level. He can talk to me, and we have an intimate relationship with God. I don't understand what the problem or the argument is, because if we're really hungry for God, we're not going to care what, they, what we have to do. We're going to say, God, whatever you need. Whatever you need. Come on. Can you imagine, some, can you imagine somebody saying, hey, look, I, uh, I saw this happen. If you get saved, you have to see a bright light and fall off a horse. Because that's what happened to Apostle Paul. And then you have to be blind for a while. And then somebody has to come and pray for you and restore your sight. Then you're saved. See, that's what we do. We want to develop a form. We want to de develop a formula. We want to develop some, and, and yet it happens differently to everybody. i got to tell you something. If God has to knock you off your high horse and rub your face in the dirt, it's because you've been resisting. Or you could be, you could be like the ones that that Jesus, or 
uh, I believe it was Paul went to him and he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't know anything about it. He laid hands on them. They immediately received. There wasn't no fight, argument or anything. It just immediately. Why? Because they were not resistant. They were saying, God, we want everything you've got. Amen. We want it all. Hallelujah. Praise God. To be filled with the Spirit is not just an experience. It's not just a, it's, it's not just a tongue. It's not, just, it, it's not even the gifts of the Spirit. You know, in 1 Corinthians, we'll get into this later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, where, where it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, the word gift is in italicis, which means it was added later by those that were interpreting the Bible. It wasn't originally there. And they added that because the rest of the chapter talks about gifts, but the very first verse did not mention gifts, and this is how it was originally stated. Now concerning the spirituals, wasn't talking about a gift. It was talking about people that were saturated with the presence of God. He said, ever... And it goes on to say everybody will, will have the, the same manifestation, which is the presence of God, being filled with the Spirit. But he said, now concerning spirituals, not spiritual gift. Now, it's, it's not talking about, at the first verse, it's not talking about a specific gift. He goes on to elaborate that in these spirituals, there will be different gifts. And they will operate differently in different people. You have different gifts. You have the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. You have the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of faith. You have the gift of healing and the gift of miracles. You have the gift of discernment. And, and he, he started, but he was talking about, he wasn't talking about somebody just receiving a certain gift. He was talking about those that were spiritual. In other words, those that had been filled and saturated, those that had been dipped in the vat of dye of the presence of God. And he's saying, and these are some of the things that will happen when that happens. These are some of the things that will transpire when that takes place. There's going to be different manifestations of the gift of God. There's going to be different manifestations of the Spirit. And a lot of us are so concerned about, well, what gift do I have? Or what do I got to tell you something? You get full of the Spirit, you got everything that God has, and it's whatever God needs at the time. There will be. There'll be some part, some gift that's going to be more dominant in, you, dominant in you, but if you're full of the Spirit of God, He can do whatever He needs to do at whatever time He needs to do it. Amen. Oh, thank God. I, 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 I like baptizo. Hallelujah. I like, I, I, I like the baptisma where we submerge and emerge following I like the baptismos where we are cleansed and washed and ready for service. Oh, thank God for that. Nothing like feeling clean, is there? Being cleaned up. All oh, that clean feeling. Praise God. You, I mean, it changes you. You, you feel clean. And, and you have this attitude now about things you used to do, and it's just like it kind of turns your stomach. It's like, oh, I don't even want to. I don't want to be, be around that. And, and, and you start saying, why? Why did I ever do that? Why do people do that? Because that cleansing starts removing all of the debris and the, all the junk out of you. And all of a sudden, you don't have association with that anymore because you've been washed. You've been cleansed. Oh, but there's something called baptizo. You don't need to stop there. You've got to go on to baptizo. You've got you to keep hungering for God until, you go, until he brings you to that vat of royal dye. And he puts you down in that dye. And when he pulls you back up, the very cells of your being has been transformed. You've been changed. I can get into a lot more of this, but I don't have time today about how different times people's 
the cells in people's skin was changed and people's bodies was changed and, and how Philip, you know, we, we, we watch Star Trek and they have these transporters and we think, oh, that'll never happen. It's already happened. They are not trying to, they are not creating something new. They're simply copying something that's already happened because Philip was talking to the Ethiopian. He led him to the Lord. He baptized him. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, hey, Philip, I need you over here. And all of a sudden, Philip dissolved. He turned into particles. And then he reappeared somewhere else. His particles came back together, and he preached the gospel there. And you say, oh, that can't happen. i got to tell you something. The Holy Spirit knows the identity of every particle in your being, and he knows where it belongs. You're saying, oh, Pastor, you're getting crazy. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm just, I'm just crazy as I can be. I'm so crazy about Jesus that I believe that the Holy Spirit, if he created me, he can do whatever he wants to do with me. Amen. I believe he can make things. He, if I needed to walk on air, I can walk on air. You know why? Because if the purpose, if there is a spiritual purpose that needs to be accomplished, the natural things has to serve the spiritual purpose. Now, if you just want to test it, Jesus himself would not do that. When Satan said, jump off this temple and see if God will catch you. He said, oh, you don't tempt the Lord your God. But guess what? When it was time and the purpose needed it, things like that happened. But it wasn't because Jesus was saying, hey, watch this. Don't go to a flooded river and say, Jesus, you walked on water and I'm going to walk on water. Unless there is a divine purpose needs to be accomplished, you walking on water, you need to get a boat. <laughs> don't tempt the Lord. Amen. But I got to tell you what, something, when, when there's a purpose, when, there, when there's a need, I have seen this stuff happen. Not, the, not to the point I want to. Matter of fact, uh, Pastor Jim, he's, he's 82 years old. He's, he's seen more than, than I've ever seen in my life. He, he's experienced God in ways that I've never experienced God. He is an encyclopedia of, of Greek words and, and the depth of the Word of God. He can take the Word of God apart and make it so alive to you. It's amazing. And he was sitting there, we was talking yesterday, and he said, Oh, Brother Snyder, he said, I, God, needs to, God needs to give me a new body because I need to see some more. I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough. He's seen people raised from the dead, but he hadn't seen enough. He's seen every kind of miracle you can imagine. Matter of fact, his church in New York, the walls were covered in, in all kinds of crutches and braces and, and stuff. They just nail them on the wall when people's done with them. And, and his walls were covered from people being healed. And one day he was in his church. And one of his leaders, one of the guys in his church, come up for prayer, and he said, he said, Pat, I mean, they're having a revival. They're seeing miracles happen. They're seeing the power of God, you know, thousands of people being saved. And this guy comes up, and he says, Pastor, I don't feel good. And so he started praying for him, and the man dropped dead right there in front of him. I mean, dead. And he said, all of a sudden, I had visions of me flipping hamburgers at McDonald's. <laughs> he said, I'm supposed, you know, we're supposed to be healing the sick. And all of a sudden, I pray for a guy and he dies right in front of me. And so they prayed for him. And they, they, they worked. And he, he told his wife, he said, go call 911. And so they went, the ambulance got there. They come in. They come in and checked him, you know, put all their stuff on him, checked him to see if he was alive. And, and one of the paramedics stood up and said, Pastor, this man's dead. He said, I know what he is. Just be quiet. I know he's dead. And so they finally put him on a gurney, covered him up with a sheet, and was rolling him out up the aisle. And, and Pastor Jim, he said, I was just standing there, just feeling so defeated watching a good friend of mine, a man in my church, just, he's being taken out on a gurney, dead. But he said, there was one big toe sticking out from under the sheet. And he said, all of a sudden, I looked at that big toe. 
And he said, faith come up inside of me. And he said, I took off running down that aisle, grabbed that big toe and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And he said, just like that, the man sat up and said, hallelujah, pastor. <laughs> he said, I don't know what it was about that big toe, but for some reason it sparked faith in me. And I said, not today. And he said, that man, matter of fact, that guy's going to be in the area here pretty soon with the video of him being raised from the dead, and he's going to be sharing that. And he's seen things like that. He's seen the power of God. He's seen the presence of God. And yet, yesterday he said, Pastor, I haven't seen enough of God. I want to see more. I want to see more. And he's always telling me, he's always saying, he said, oh, Pastor, there's a move of God coming, and you're going to be a part of it. You're going to be a part. I like talking to this man. He says, you're going to be a part of it. Come on, somebody. But it ain't going to happen until we allow the Holy Spirit to saturate the very particles of our being. Oh, praise God. I'm just, this is just the introduction of being filled with the Spirit. I want all of you to be hungry. I just want to cause you to be hungry. To be filled. Now, don't, go, don't leave today and say, okay, God, I know you can do it. I'm going to walk on air. Don't do that. Get hungry for God, not, not hungry for the things, okay? You understand what I'm talking about? Get hungry for God. Get hungry to the point that you do nothing but, but, but cry. You ache on the inside to the point that you feel like something's wrong with you because you just got this aching on the inside of you that, that says, I've got to have God. I've got, I've got to have more of God. I've been there so many times, that aching, that aching. I've been preparing for this message for a long time. I've been trying to figure this thing out. Then, oh, God, where does it live? What, what is it? You know, I want to be able to present this. I want us to understand. I realize there's mystery in God. We'll never understand every part of it. There's mystery in God. I woke up yesterday morning, got up, still dark, Went and sat down in a chair, got me a cup of coffee, sat down in a chair, and I sat there and chewed myself out. I mean, I was roughing myself up all day yesterday morning saying, what is wrong with you? Get focused. There's more. You got to have more. You know, you ever feel like life's just running over you and you can't keep up with it? I saw a little video the other day, somebody posted on Facebook, this little boy with all these ducks chasing him, and he's trying to outrun, and all these ducks, he can't get away from these ducks, everywhere he goes, these ducks are following him, and I told, Sister Betty showed it to me, and I said, that's exactly how I feel every day of my life. I said, that's a good illustration. Isn't it, so, isn't it amazing how life just can just chase you? But yesterday morning, I got up, and just I was just working myself over then you're going to have to you're going to have to get in it you're going to have to get in you got to have more got to have more how many has that hunger inside of you got to have more i want more of god i want more of god i know that there's so much more stand with me if you would praise god I made sure I didn't turn the page today. I just left, gave myself a certain amount of notes this morning because I knew I need just to introduce this thing, but we can't get on because I'd, I'd have preached till 2 o'clock this afternoon. This stuff fires me up. But what is it like to be filled with the Spirit? Where does that dwell? What happens when you're full, walking full of the Spirit of God? You know, I've found a lot of times you don't even know. You just feel normal, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden things begin to happen. Next thing you know, you're in a God encounter because the Holy Spirit's directing your path the whole time. You didn't really even realize it. And you can just be in a conversation, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, God's words are coming out of your mouth and ministering to somebody. Why? Because He's there all the time. Father, We just ask today, lead us. Lead us into the depths of your presence. Lead us into the depths of your spirit.
Lord, we pray that faith would be activated in our lives. Thank you, Father. We pray that faith would be activated in our lives today. To believe, Lord God, for your fullness, to believe for more of you. God, to be able to come to you and submit to you in such a way that even our physical bodies become saturated with your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just begin to ask him right now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. As we press through these weeks ahead, as we press through this time, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would come into the fullness of God, that the fullness of God would dwell in us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Saturate us. Saturate us with your presence. Lord, take us to the baptism. Dip us in your presence.